Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Hey everyone, Michelle McCullough here. It has been so fun joining you every single week for new shows of The Living Room. But I have another project that is coming out that I am so excited about. My book, The Make It Happen Blueprint, is being published through a publisher, and it is now available on March 21st. And I am so excited, a project I've been working on for so long. But I want to tell you how this book came about. As you know, I have this podcast. I also have the Make It Happen podcast and the managing director of Startup Princess. And I'm also a speaker. And people kept saying to me, Michelle, how do you do it all? Well, this book is the answer. In it, I've included my favorite success principles that will help you, whether you're ready to just rock it as a stay-at-home mom, or if you have a business or hobby, you're ready to take it to the next level. This book will give you tips, tools, and ideas in all aspects of success so that you truly can take that dream and make it happen. It's available at amazon.com, at target.com, and also available on my website website at speakmichelle.com. Thank you so much and I wish you all the best as you make it happen. Welcome to the living room. My name's Jana and I'm joined by Michelle and, and Heather. There's Heather. She's dialing in long distance. She's got a sick baby this morning. Thank you Heather for calling. That's noble. I have um, been thinking about this topic a lot and I'm glad that people are listening and I hope you're tuning in. I um, I'll start with a, a picture for you. I sit at my kitchen window and we live on a wooded acre and our backyard is just full of trees and right outside the kitchen window where we often get deer and quail too, we have this um, little group of scrub oak. And because it's winter time, I look out and I don't see leaves, I see trunks of trees, right? And scrub oak are notoriously crooked. And so they're they're bending every direction, which I love the rhythm of that when I'm looking out the window. But from where I'm sitting, there is one tree that is absolutely straight. I'll post a picture online because I really think this is so fascinating. One tree that is absolutely straight and all the rest of them are crazy crooked. So if I wanted to, I could bet my life on the fact that that tree, because I see it with my own eyes, is straight. But if I go outside, I'm seeing from the kitchen window a tree that is completely crooked, but I'm looking at it from one angle that makes it look straight. And if I were out in the yard, I would see that that tree is crooked and maybe another tree looks completely straight. Well, um, I was reading a talk online that my husband sent me. Um, this is Bruce Hafen, and he says something that I think applies perfectly to that. He says that we need to be open to just a shred of ambiguity into our, in our lives. We need to be aware that... Um, there's not always a black and white or a right and wrong. Something's completely straight or completely crooked. And he says, the people on the extreme sides of these questions convey great certainty about what should be done. However, I think some of these people are more interested in being certain than they are in being right. 
We're in a time where the political climate's been really ugly. There's been a lot of hate spewing. There's been um, a lot of name calling and a lot of labeling. And it's not just the political arena. There are other arenas in our lives that are becoming more and more polarized as people dig into that certainty um, without stopping to understand what the other side is saying. Another example is... Um, the feminist movement. And don't get me wrong, I'm a feminist and I think that we all are in this room because we're powerful women. But I would say too that um, there's a side of feminism that has been very anti-man, that has been demeaning of men, that has um, put things out there that aren't helpful. And there has arisen a backlash or a counter movement of men who are actually... Um, putting themselves out there as superior and putting down women. And I think that that kind of thing, when you go to extremes and you start pushing those, um, it causes a lot of problems. And I think those backlashes will continue until we stop and have a civil conversation. So that's what we're talking about today is healthy conversation. Um, Michelle, do you have any ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, it just for those of you that are listening, when we think about the shows and topics of conversation that we want to talk about, the way that we do it is that each of us have hosts bring as hosts bring ideas to the table or a show that we want to host or champion. And it's interesting as we talked about the um, these shows that we are that are coming up. We were all coming up with our our ideas, and Jana and I submitted the exact same show topic at the same time, um, mm -hmm. with a, with similar spins and similar perspectives. But this is something that's really interesting for me as someone who is a communicator for a living. Right. Um, I really struggle watching the social media conversations oh. that are happening. I struggle watching dear friends fight with each other in a way that. It makes me want to cry and yeah. yell all yes. at the same time. Yes. And it's interesting because I have, because of the work that I do as a speaker and um, even as an online blogger and strategist and things, I have long since taken the stance that I can't even talk about poli politics. Yeah. Um, just because it's amazing how somebody who might hire you won't just because of the stance that you have. And oh, that sure. has nothing to do with what you're providing. But as as we watch the political landscape, because I've been saying forever, okay, this will be better after election day. This will be better after inauguration day. This will be better after this. And I've come to decide <laughs> it's that it's that I can't wait for it to be better. But what can I do to help? And so having this conversation about having healthy conversations online and the ways that we agree to disagree um, and the ways that we really open our eyes and recognize that the reason why our country is great. The reason why the world is great is because people have different opinions mm -hmm. and because they have different interests and different religions and different goals and different races. And as soon as we start to say, mine is better than yours in any way, shape or form, we cause a division among friends, among families, among cultures. And uh, my goal is to start having more conversations that when they're when they become controversial that we have thoughts and solutions that will help us um, make things simmer down instead of heat up. Yes, I love that. Nancy Gibbs is the editor of Time Magazine and her note from the editor in the most recent issue says something excellent just right on that point. She says the enemy in any democracy is not dissent from either within or without. 
She's saying, that's right, it's important to disagree. But then what she says is dissent, in fact, is essential. The enemy is dishonesty, ignorance, indifference, and intolerance. Right. Right. That's Absolutely. it. That's it. We have to disagree. It's important to disagree. Um, and I think no change is made if there isn't some disagreement. Right. Right. We would never we would never move forward. Um, I have a friend who posted something online. She put up on Facebook and then she emailed me what she said because I wasn't on Facebook because I can't go there right now. She said that um, this beautiful post about why she marched in Portland on Saturday. And I read her discourse and I thought there's nothing inflammatory in this. This is beautiful. You've spoken from your heart. You've said lovely things. And and I read it and I thought, go Mindy. But it was interesting because someone from her extended family actually attacked her brutally with a very long missive about evil this and evil. I'm, it was it was appalling. It was appalling. And it was fascinating to watch this from a back seat because I was just getting these emails about, you know, post this response. And then um, she decided First, she wasn't going to respond at all. And then she decided that she would respond. And what she said was, thank you for sharing your thoughts. I think it's great that especially in families, we can agree to disagree. We can have differing opinions and that's okay. And then she added kind of as a joke, and I hope I'm not disinvited from the family reunion this summer. And, you know, love Mindy. And the response then that came back was very generous and gracious. Of course, you're invited to the family reunion. We love you. We need your bright spirit. You know, on and on and on. And I thought, oh, just that one choice. Mm-hmm. Turn it all around. Mm-hmm. Turn it all around. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, and we should see what Heather's take is on this. So, Heather, you're up in just one second. But it's interesting as I watch some of these conversations, um, you can tell the people who are immediately combative. Like in one way, shape or form, either in their initial post or in the people who are responding. Right. 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 Um, And you can you can even see this in the media and about how they will respond combatively. And it's interesting to me because when I went to school not that long ago and I was taking public relations and journalism classes, um, everything was if you turned anything in with even the slightest amount of opinion. Yeah. No edge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. you'd You'd get an F. Oh, wow. Like if there was the slightest amount of opinion and now I see so many things in the media that are only opinion, like, and that's, right. that to me is not news, but as you watch and you see the things that come, that come when you have your own Facebook page or social media outlets, you can share your own opinion. That is your place. That is your right. right that is yours. That is your space to do so. I think that it's interesting as we watch people who are like, like the quote that you said, that they are trying to be certain and trying to be right. Yeah. And I've shared on this, uh, we talked about on, in marriage and it works just the same in online relationships, but what is it costing you to be right? Like at what yeah. cost? And that doesn't yeah. mean that you have, that you don't have to be right and you have to be wrong, but that means that how you put your feelings out there um, is a really big way. Of, if you're trying to persuade someone to see your side, belittling them and saying you're terrible, stupid, or that's a really dumb idea exactly. does not help. No. Instead, if you just say, hey, this is why I did X. I love the way that your friend posted that. Um, 
and this is why I voted this way. You're welcome to say that, but to imply that someone voted a different way or someone that didn't march is terrible or wrong is the, what I would love to see changed. Sure, share your opinion, but don't make your opinion mean that your opinion makes you better and someone else worse. Exactly. Heather, do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, geez. That was like a loaded question. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I think first, it, it still really amazes me how we've gotten to this point, right? This, this place where we think that our opinion is the only one or the only right one or the only acceptable one. And I think that's where I struggle first, where we've come yeah. to such a selfish place to negate the fact that other people have other thoughts and ideas also. And so I struggle with that right at the bottom of all of this. When we talk about civil conversations and, and acceptance of others, I, I really struggle there. This idea that, that I, there's only one way, which I, I don't agree with. There's, there's lots of opinions. And isn't that the beauty of lots of people and our earth filled with them? So I think that's my first thought here. And I also wonder, too, how we've gotten to this place where we feel that just because someone's opinion is different than mine, that mine is wrong. And, you know, I struggle with that. I, I see this in my field when I work with marriages each and every day. And it's like, just because a spouse has a different opinion doesn't mean mine's wrong. We, we can all have good opinions or all have good thoughts. So I think we have to take a step back and get kind of down to the root of it, right? Where this is all starting, where we've come to this place where we're a little bit selfish and, and assume that there is one way and it's ours. I mean... I don't know. I, I think it's really funny that we expect other people to accept our opinions, but those same people aren't always really open to accept others' opinions. So that that's kind of what right. comes to mind immediately is where those root causes are coming from. Well, I think you're right. And it's not just selfishness. It's a position of arrogance when you assume absolutely. that your opinion carries more weight or more importance than somebody else's. Well, and I also think, you know, this idea, I know, you know, Michelle, I think it was you that mentioned that, for example, you know, our social media accounts are our accounts and people feel we can post and say and do. And I, I get that. But I also disagree a little bit because anytime there is something like that that affects other people, I actually think we have a moral obligation to make sure that we manage those accounts in ways that respects the people around us. So well, I, I, I struggle a, a little being able to just say, you know, how, how we hear, well, it's my account. I can say and post and do whatever I want. If you don't like it, unfollow. I mean, I get that. But at the same time, I do think we have a moral obligation to manage those accounts in ways that is respectful to all people and all ideas and all thoughts, simply because anything I do does have an effect on people around me, whether I want to accept that or not. And our opinions on social media, it's the same way. They do affect people around them. It's our responsibility to to use selflessness and to use kindness when we utilize those accounts. Well, and I agree with you. And I guess what I was saying is, is at least I've gotten to the point where I've said to myself, okay, that's fine. That's your page. That's your wall. That's your mm -hmm. opinion. I can't stop you from saying what you need to say. But to your point, I wholeheartedly agree that where before I had made the decision that I wasn't going to post on politics, I'm also making the decision now that the things that I post are either going to be helpful or relevant or kind or funny and entertaining <laughs> or different because yeah. because for me I feel like 
well, while it's difficult and I always go back and forth, do I jump in on this one? Do I not jump in on this mm -hmm. one? Do I, mm -hmm. because it's interesting because one of the things that I think is interesting is the silent majority or even the silent minority, right? So you get someone who posts something and everyone is saying, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And it's interesting because if let's look religion for a little bit. Our, my religion comes under attack from time to time. Mm -hmm. And so somebody will post something and then people will go in and post and say, yeah, it's a terrible church. I They never know what they're going to do. And, and then I have to sit there and go, wait a minute. They're talking about something that I care about and that I hold dear. And no one is saying anything in its defense. Right. And so I have to say, wait a second. Is it worth standing up and saying something? Because I know there's other people who are friends with them that would feel similarly or that would want to defend but are scared to because it's somebody else's place or space. And so having some of those decisions about when you jump in on other people's walls is different than what you post on your own. But I and I think it's okay that that there are ways to respond and to even say, oh, I'm sorry that you, A, had that experience. Like somebody post something terrible. I'm sorry that you had that experience. My experience has been different. Yeah. And I'm grateful for this. And so I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm saying I'm so sorry that that has happened and providing some validation to the things that they're talking about. Or I'm yeah. so sorry you had that experience at that store. They have been wonderful to me and I really loved them. I think it's okay to share some things, but to be conscious of how you respond that doesn't, I'm going down 75 tangents here, but I am just getting a little fired up now, Jana, maybe you better say something. You know something. what? I think you were great. I think what you've said is perfect because you're talking about validating their concerns before you state your own opinion. And I think that goes a long way without saying, no, you're full of crap. You're saying, you're right. I'm sorry that happened to you. And this is my experience. And I think that's a really good way to lead out in a more healthy conversation. Sure. I also think it's important to do a lot more listening than we're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when you're validating like that, that means you are listening. You did try and hear what they said. And I think that um, if everybody's talking and nobody's listening, that's where the problems come in. Everybody has a good point. Every side of every equation has something that's right and something that's true in it, even if it's buried. And I think it's important to listen to what other people have to say and try and find some common ground wherever it is. Yeah, it's interesting to me the number of people who um, will share something and then if somebody descends they call them stupid or dumb or idiots or will unfriend them or won't do something and I'm like wait you shared your opinion uh-huh and someone else uh -huh. is sharing their opinion but they're wrong for their opinion but you're not wrong for yours right I have a hard time making sense of that but at the same time you know you can't control other people you can only control yourself which is why I think that the greatest takeaway from conversations like this is how are you going to be how are you going to be above the negative conversation? How are you going to be somebody who provides value instead of criticism? And how are you going to be someone who is willing to have a healthy conversation? Or um, how can you state your opinions in a way that isn't offensive? Because this, this mm -hmm. is, I don't think mm -hmm. this show is be quiet. No, this show no. Is, this show is, can you consider a different approach? Because from the time that you were really little, that you're taught, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. Which I believe that's true. And there's totally ways you can share your opinion without making the other person jump on the defensive. And I think it starts by you not being defensive yourself. 
I agree. And not being combative, not not jumping out with an attack. You can assert an opinion without making other people feel attacked. Right. I think. I'm going to share another from Nancy Gibbs. She um, she says time is one of the few remaining institutions that speaks to a broad and global audience. Our audience has never been bigger. And this is where it gets really good. We are at the most effective when we welcome debate and discussion from all compass points. Both praise and criticism of what we do come from left, right, and points between. And that's where we live, at the center of a conversation that must be civil, rational, and open-minded. We're committed to independent inquiry, defending the possibility of progress, holding the powerful to account, and providing an arena where diverse voices and visions compete. Our purpose is not to tell people what to think. It's to help them decide what to think. It's mm, nice, like don't you think? I thought yeah. it was really nice. It kind of reminds me, honestly, of good old Stephen Covey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, go back. Seek first to understand than yes. to be understood, right? That's yes. kind of really at the core of it. Mm-hmm. And to that point, I'll also say that there are some conversations that will get me fired up. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I need to do to seek first to understand is to give it time. If yeah. I respond immediately, I will find that um, I will say things that I don't really mean and that I will say things that um, that I'm not being sensitive Right. to them and their thoughts. But if I can take a step away for a minute and think through the circumstances and think, why are they feeling this way? Why would they say something like that? Then I can usually respond with a lot more love. Yes. And yes, it's interesting because like Heather talked about and Heather can toss it back to you in just a second. I think this all comes back to how do we show greater respect and, and where did that get lost and eroded in a place that, was it just the onset of social media where we gave everybody a microphone and now everyone has an opinion and they don't have to look at people to say it? Because I'm much more likely to censor what I say if I have to say it to your face, but I'm less likely to say it if I don't see people's faces. And so yeah. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why we've seen um, social media take interesting turns. But um, for me, I think this is a call for respect. How do we respect each other? and and honor each other and and rejoice in our differences instead of making them separate us. You know, there's a big chunk of it that could be uh, right back to the very beginning, love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm. There's that, you know, it takes away the arrogance, it takes away the selfishness in it. And that Looking at, at their viewpoint with compassion, I think, is is a really good way to let respect enter into that equation. Mm-hmm. Heather, do you have any thoughts you want to add to this multi-directional conversation? I know. I, know, I love it. Um, you know, I, one of the biggest things I wrote down is actually what Janet just brought up, and that's the need to understand other people. And it's it's the exact same way in marriage. It's the same way in social media. But if we truly want to be understood, we actually have to understand other people first, right? So the harder we work to understand someone else, the greater trust is built in that relationship. And the greater trust that's built means that that person then wants to understand me in return. And so I really do think that what you've already mentioned, you know, whether we give it back to Covey or, or where Covey brought it from, that we have to go back to the beginning where it's genuinely trying to understand people around us, to recognize that 
in understanding them, they will in turn have that greater trust and desire to understand us. And then we have a complete understanding, right, instead of one-sided or a selfish. But I think it starts, like you've said a number of times, it really has to start with us. We have to desire there to be a difference. And instead of pursuing, you know, attacking all the time, taking a step back and taking responsibility for the way our actions affect other people and for our actions and understanding with other people. Well, and I also think we could have an interesting conversation. We don't have a ton of time left in the show, but, um, you know, I understand the the want and the need to be heard. Absolutely. Right. And I think that um, at the co- at the core of this, is one person wanting to be heard or understood. And whether whether they're the person who throws out information first or they're the person who responds to it, they want to be heard. They want to share their thoughts and opinions. And, and part of that is finding safe places and spaces for that to happen. And that maybe um, you could find a common group online mm-hmm. that has and shares your same interests. There are even groups on Facebook. You could go search for Um, political parties or religions or um, different movements or thoughts or groups of people and that maybe some of those conversations are better had among people that feel similarly than you. Um, And but also um, acknowledging that maybe some of these conversations are better suited away from a social media space and that you should write your legislator or your congressman if you want a lot of change or something to be different or if you have a thought or opinion, what can you do to make change about it um, above and beyond just making an opinion about it? And how can we use our social media spaces to lift and build others instead of um, cause challenges or tear each other down? Oh, I love that you said that. I've been doing a lot more of that lady lately, writing the congressmen, writing the senators. And calling them on the yeah, phone. Yeah, and letting them know this is important to me. Um, Again, without attacking or labeling mm-hmm. or name calling, mm-hmm. just saying this matters to me and I hope you'll take this viewpoint into consideration. Right. Yeah. Really nice. Really nice. Well, I think we're close to wrapping up here. I um I wanna before we end, I wanna say something and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump um slightly off topic here. Um and Talk about, honestly, a story from the end of the Book of Mormon. And I am Mormon, and this is this is a part of my faith, but I'm not going to use it in a faith way. I'm going to use it from a story standpoint. There are, at the end of the Book of Mormon, two warring factions and um, two leaders that fight against each other. And because neither is willing to yield any ground or or surrender in any way, the two sides end up completely destroying each other, just completely destroying each other. They wipe each other out. And I think that we have to be careful that we aren't creating a place in society that is so polarized that we do end up destroying each other. I think there's so much anger and so much volatility on both sides in a lot of different arenas right now that if we don't start to listen and understand and come together, um, it can turn into a force that's completely destructive for all involved. The only way to make progress is to yield some ground, is to come together, is to start to listen, to understand. And I think if we're really careful about that, I think we can have growth and improvement in a way that we haven't seen for a long time. 
I really like that. And I really like um, the reminder that sometimes we are so worried about the short term that we forget the long term. Yeah. And that we're in the short term, we're so interested in sharing and stating out our opinion that we do it at all costs instead of also saying this relationship is important to me. I have some dear friends that I am friends with on Facebook that see the world entirely different than me. And sometimes I look at their posts and I think to myself, how on earth are we friends? Like, I I so disagree with you right now on so many levels that I cannot even believe that we are friends. And then I remember, but we are friends because it's not that opinion that made us friends. It's that we respect each other. It's that we care about each other. It's that we have other things in common and we can agree to disagree and still maintain our friendship. And so the short term might be that I disagree with you on this issue, but the long term is, is that I care about our friendship much more than I care about this issue. And if I can remember that, I'm often a lot kinder and a lot more respectful because what I want in the long term matters more than in the short term. Oh, I think that's a great perspective, Michelle. Heather, do you have any thoughts before we wrap up? No, I think that's a, I think that's a great place to end. I think the only thing that still is on my mind a little bit that we haven't touched on is this need as parents to be teaching these principles oh, and yes. skills to our kids. I, I mean, we've got generations coming up behind us that will be even more affected by social media and more affected by these opinions. And it's so important that we make it a priority to teach them. So many of the things we see right now with, you know, selfish and an inability to have these civil conversations is a fact that people haven't been taught. We don't know how to deal with discouragement and we don't know how to deal with disappointment. And, you know, we don't know how to communicate with love and respect and kindness. And I think it's our responsibility as parents to make sure that we're raising future generations to have some of those skills that, that our society lacks right now and that that needs to be a focus too. Oh, you're so right. There's so much that we can do in the home uh, that will raise generations of civil conversations yet to come. I love that, Heather. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I'm so glad that you joined us today. And I hope that you'll follow up on our social media outlets. And um, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on everything. And (laughs) find us and continue the conversation there. Keep it civil. Uh, In the meantime, I hope that you'll give yourself your friends, and each other's opinions, some living room. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.